Welcome. Before we get into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to Basically Related Podcast and leave a five-star review. You can find us on YouTube as well and subscribe there. Remember to hit the notification bell so you'll know when we drop new content. Also, you can sign up for our monthly AMA episodes at basicallyrelated.com and ask a question at basicallyrelated.com backslash AMA. We answer all your questions in a monthly episode delivered to month to members only. So this past week, a couple days ago, uh, we had midterm elections. And leading up to the midterm elections, Biden was very big on sort of the existential threat to Americans, uh, particularly to American democracy. You know, I, I think both parties, to be fair, were kind of ramping up the mm-hmm. existential threat. And, you know, one party was for democracy and the other one wasn't. Um, but I, I know we, I know we've hit on this before about projection and shadow and everything like that, but it, it seemed very pronounced mm. this time around. If one party is good, the other party is bad. But, it, you know, in the end, they were both, <laughs> both Democrats and Republicans were engaging in election denial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, even the main figures of Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump both denied their elections. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it... It certainly, it, it made me think of a quote from Jung that he wrote in his autobiography. Um, this was right around, you know, he's kind of reflecting in the past um, around the outbreak of World War I. Uh, so he writes, on August 1st, the World War broke out. Now my task was clear. I had to understand what had happened and to what extent my own experience coincided with that of mankind in general. Therefore, my first obligation was to probe the depths of my own psyche. Mm. So mm. how I interpret this, and Ewing actually expounds upon this in other writings, but it's this idea that Democrats aren't the threat. Republicans aren't the threat. You're the threat to democracy. Right. It's within your own soul mm. to be the threat. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it's in the individual this lies and you have to kind of examine to what extent do i participate in in the greater evils of the nation Mm -hmm. yeah and when world war one broke out that was what jung was thinking is how in some sense am i responsible Mm. for a world war yeah and it sounds ridiculous at first no yeah i um that's such a healthy disposition to always turn a a scenario or whatever is going on uh, a problem uh, like a universal suffering always to turn it in on yourself and to yeah. interiorize it um i think you mentioned this um in a previous episode but that like when you're reading scripture a healthy way to approach it is to uh, put yourself in the shoes of the person suffering coming before christ mm-hmm. you know i think it's very easy <clears throat> when we we're reading scripture or listening to the gospel or the scripture at mass uh to kind of just see the, the the whole scene as very objective and kind of, you know, assuming what's going on in the per- person's hearts, you know, instead of actually putting yourself in that, um, in that subjective experience. Uh, I was reminded, um, going through these notes of uh, a book by Michael O'Brien called Voyage to Alpha Centauri. It's a sci-fi book. Michael O'Brien is a, a Catholic novelist. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the themes of that book is uh, humanity is trying to escape the totalitarian nature of their society and uh, begin begin again uh, anew on uh, a faraway planet. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, their hope is like, we can leave all this evil behind us while we start this utopia. But what happens very quickly is that on the ship, the shadow of totalitarianism begins to form and mm. take shape. Yeah. Right. And they're back to square one. Yeah. And I think one of the, the, the great insights of that book is that evil is not contained to a specific place, but rather in the hearts of men. Right. right. Doesn't um, Solzhenitsyn have that quote? Like the line of good and evil passes through the human heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah or like right. hell and he- like right. the capacity for heaven and hell runs through the hearts of men. Is yeah. that what it is? Or something like that. But yeah. yeah, essentially, it's within the own your own human heart where mm. evil right. lies. Right, and uh, Jung says exactly the same thing. Yeah, like the only evil that exists is human evil. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah humans exactly. are the ones who commit evil. Right, mm-hmm. right. And so you can't if there are humans. There will be evil. There will be, <laughs> yes, <right>. Exactly. <laughs> like you can't flee from your human nature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to which you know Jung would say that's a great flaw and and something that will end in tragedies. Yeah. To think that I am outside of the human shadow, right? The dark exactly. human. Like I can. I'm. I'm beyond evil. Yeah. Right. And to think that is just such a lack of self knowledge, right? It's just just like looking outward all the time without even doing your own introspective. Uh, introspective, right? Now, uh, you know, like. The unexamined life is not worth living, you know, mm-hmm. quote from Socrates, to always examine yourself. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of wisdom in, in that. So, Yeah, I think about how, like, that applies to kind of just understanding that society at large is, like, uh, the bigger picture of what was built, starting with the individual, family, culture, and, and so on. But if you want to try to fix something out there, it has to start from the ground up. Yeah, and so saying like we're going to make societal change without never looking at a smaller piece of culture, and then it, uh, like keep going down all the way until you look at yourself. Like, how am I contributing to my family? That contributes to the next level of society and the next level of society, and so on and so forth. You always end up with this empty shell of a of an idea of how to fix things, but ever but it never like really goes through. Which is you know the Peterson's whole thing is clean your room. Yeah, yeah. That, that whole thing yeah. is because it stacks up. And yeah. not because, like, well, this is a better thing that you can do instead. But it's like, no, no, in order to fix society, you are, like, the bedrock of society. Yeah. The individual is. So, like, that's the place you start looking first. I mean, like, how is this disoriented? And then you go to the next thing and the next yeah. thing and the next. I think it's very easy for people to just be, like, to try to fix problems problems on the outside rather than looking inward. Um, you know, that, that looking at yourself can be very um, – you need a lot of courage to do that because mm-hmm. you, you see – how dark your heart can actually be. You know, sin is right. ugly. Right. <laughs> Evil is yeah. ugly. Right. And that's your so. projecting your shadow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of it, it's it's not me who does the evil. It's you. It's it's they. It's them, the yeah. other who does evil. So, right. you know, if anybody is responsible for the downfall of uh democracy, it's them. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's the the other. Yeah, quote unquote them. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, right, exactly. It's like who who even is them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's actually it's well, again, it's we're all responsible for the, the corruption yep. of, of democracy if, if right, that yeah. happens. Uh, because society is created, is a group of individual people mm-hmm. that most likely if you're having an experience of or desiring revenge and wanting the destruction of a political party, right. chances are your neighbor wants the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Uh, either yeah. for the opposite party or the same party. It's like, so you have a, a bunch of individual people that create a group. Yeah. So if you want to see the group psychology, right. 
look at the individual. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. just the reflection you said, starting at yeah. the, the smallest level. If you yeah. even think about, like, let's say, if we were like, let's let's all point to Joe Biden and blame him for all the problems, right? <laughs> like, let's just say, like, we're going to scapegoat Joe Biden. Yeah. What does Joe Biden have to do? Like, he can't do the same thing we're doing. He has to look inward, right? Mm-hmm. So, but but so he's pointing at us, and we're pointing at him, and he's pointing to other things. It's like we're all pointing away, mm-hmm. but you can't all just like assign that um, as a remedy because somebody's got to be at fault. So a better, a better solution to start at is let's all point to ourselves. Yeah. That's more like broadly applicable. And then we'll course correct from there. Right. Yeah. I think of like, like, you know, me and my wife being married for a decade, um, just kind of going through normal ebbs and flows of marriage and thinking about how it's not really like 50, 50, you know, it's not like, well, here, I'm going to say the things you do wrong and you say the things I do wrong and we'll, we'll decide who's right and whatever. It's like, yeah. I will try to course correct myself and you will be a voice to help me look at myself and vice versa. Yeah. So we're always looking interiorly first at our own course correction. And then we can look at each other and, you know, provide that external view. But it's always starting with like, I'm going to do 100% of my work to myself first yeah. um, before going out. I think yeah. introspection is also the most practical way to get solutions because if you're pointing at other people and saying that they're the problem then that means that in order to make solutions you have to put up you know institutional barricades and you know change the way society works mm-hmm. and functions to control them whereas if you look at yourself and say well what can i fix you have complete power over yourself right mm-hmm. right by your own freedom and your own willpower mm-hmm. you can change the course of your life mm-hmm. And so if you want to see practical um, implementations of uh, change, like change yourself. That's right. like that's that's the place where you have the most power mm-hmm. is over yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where you're going to see the most change around you as well. So. Although I do think a caveat to that is that like if you're in like an abusive relationship, you know, whatever, like you don't want to like, sure, you don't yeah. want to um, cover this and being like, you should always fix yourself because you are always the problem. It's the it's the best place to start. Yeah. But yeah. sometimes that clears. And <laughs> be like, actually, I'm not at fault here. And this is like I am being abused. Yeah. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Um so sure. Yeah. It's a definitely a good place to start. And it doesn't necessarily always end up that it's like there's something that you need to reorient. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I thought that was just kind no, of No, no, that's that's important. That's important. I mean, you know, because like Nancy Pelosi did do a lot of things. It's like messed up. It's <laughs> like, you know, we can point like, to her. Yeah, like it's, yeah. this is not like a claim for relativism. Like, you know, it's not about what other people do. Just like keep fixing yourself. Like, right. there are societal problems, yeah. and they do mm-hmm. need to be addressed and fixed. Of course, yeah. um, but they all stack up from this first interior disposition of yeah. course correcting, and then you move forward. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that that is true. It's like this isn't. I think that that is a very good point about the. It being relative because mm-hmm. then it's all well everyone just go to their corners and think about yeah. what they did and right. how they've corrupted um society um I, I think it's more of just uh at the very least an active examination of conscience mm-hmm. yeah a very kind of catholic right. way to look at it no no um, that's, that's but just like right. in what ways have i sinned against my neighbor in word and deed or yeah. against myself or against right. my family and in what way can i correct this right yeah. for the betterment of myself and those closest and then to me. once yeah. you start to do that you start to learn like the means to do that and then you can do that on a larger scale so you have like republicans versus democrats like those are like group entities that can also look at themselves as a group and say what have we done wrong 
Right. How you can know, like, we better ourselves? Yeah, like post-2022 yeah. elections, uh, the 2022 elections, it's like, how is the Republican Party going to better course correct yeah. for the future? And, yeah. and vice versa, whatever. Yeah. So yeah. Um, that has to be learned, though, from the individual experience of doing that first with yeah. yourself. Yeah. I yeah. think that was a, a huge failing for the Democrats in 2016 was as, as soon as the 2016 election was over and, and Donald Trump mm-hmm. had won to their surprise, mm-hmm. um, Hillary Clinton said something like, you know, now we're going to kind of regroup and think about our messaging and what went wrong, essentially. Like, why, why, how, did, how did we lose? How did people vote mm-hmm. for this guy? And it was like, oh, okay, like a moment of humility. Yeah. And then it like flipped. And it was like, well, actually it was Russia. It's <laughs> yeah, because he's, right. you know, he's a, a nasty, evil racist. It was like, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. Right. okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it, it quickly went from, let's think, let's, like you said, turn mm-hmm. inward and think about how, how did we not send our message across? And then it was like, yeah. nope, projected. Uh-huh. You're, you're what's wrong. You know, everybody else is yeah. the problem. Yeah. Mm. Um, but uh, it, it's interesting you know, also leading up to this, there was a little bit, little bit of talk of political violence and such like that. Um, uh, Jung's thought on, on democracy was, you know, you know, for Jung, nothing ever disappears. You know, there, mm-hmm. your, your psychic activity never goes away. Instincts never go away. So he says that democracy is essentially the, the instinct for war trans, transformed into mm. political discourse. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, That's and, intense. <laughs> yeah, right. Because he's, like, so he's like, so now we quarrel you know, yeah. kind of verbally and right. with, with ideas yeah. as opposed to now having to do it physically. Right. Um, so I, I, it, it does make kind of, it makes sense that, ne- that when political discourse breaks down, you do have violence. I think right. Murray, Douglas Murray and Peterson talked about this mm-hmm. years ago of if we can't talk, then we resort to violence. Right. What's left. Right. There's, there's nothing left. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do think that this conversation across the aisle, as cliche as it is, really needs to happen. Because I, mm-hmm. I do think there's some truth to, to what yeah. Jung's point, is that if we can channel it, our kind of instinct for combat and war into productive dialogue, mm-hmm. then we can avoid that. But right. otherwise, you know, if discourse breaks down, it gets ugly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's, Jung has, doesn't he talk about, um, or Peterson talks about this, but I don't know if it's from Jung, about how like uh, like your own ideas, you allow yourself to have ideas so they can die, so that you don't die. Oh right, yeah. Um, so it's kind of that idea of like you know, you're not suppressing these things, but they're just being channeled in a certain way, um, because instincts never go away. So it's like you're like our our desire to explore is always going to be there. So, but we can't all explore every possibility because you know there's risk and there's actual death. But like that has been transformed into something like theoreticals and and imagining what would happen if and like you know having that kind of mental processing so that those things can die and we don't right and Mm -hmm. if you're if you if that goes away then you're left with actually doing things and potentially dying (laughs) so (laughs) it's it's the same thing with you know um dialogue amongst you know democrats and um republicans and it's like it's all it's not this like suppression of this instinct for war but it's the proper channeling so that that doesn't break yeah Right. right 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 Because Jung was much more into the like channeling and transformation mm. than than repression, like yeah. Freudian repression. Interesting. And then you know it, it mm-hmm. bubbles up. It's more of yeah. when I think a channel breaks down. Mm. Right. So that our channel, it, it being channeled into dialogue, when that breaks down, then it may go back to war. Right. It's right. not so much you know <laughs> once yeah. you lift the repression, it yeah yeah bursts up. It's a right. little different, but yeah, um, you know, Elon kind of 
touched on this a bit when he, he tweeted out, I think, a couple days before the election, um, you know, urging independently minded voters to to vote Republican. Just he said to for shared power curbs kind of the excesses of both parties. Yeah. Um, not so much endorsing Republicans as a Republican himself, mm-hmm. but more of we we need we need to share this power to get, like you know we've talked about before giving away power so that it doesn't consume yep. a certain party mm-hmm. one party has all the power yep. you know <laughs> it, yep. it kind of it, it really does corrupt the american idea of government mm-hmm. which is that shared branches of <laughs> yeah, political yeah. power uh-huh. yeah, um yeah. that checks and balances uh that way there's not just one party in control yeah. for the rest of time um but more that there should be some sort of conversation mitigation working out mm-hmm. um not projecting onto each other the worst right. of of each other's parties yep. the excesses of each other's parties yeah yeah that's tough i mean we were we were discussing earlier about how like how do you even do that practically like if if you yeah. constantly vote republican or democrat and then your party takes power are you going to now in the midterms vote against that to like balance, like, oh, power. balance it out yeah yeah that's yeah, tricky. or does that actually does that naturally play out amongst a group with opposing ideas, um, and that's kind of like allowing for that process to happen is what is how that really should look, as opposed to being like you flip flop every time somebody gets yeah. power. It's like, well, what do right. you believe in then? Right, and uh, <laughs> and that's the question. Is like you know, come twenty twenty four, if we get a Republican president, will Elon Musk vote Democrat? Right. I yeah, I don't know. That's that is a good question. It, it seems it's just from that tweet, I, and you can read into a tweet, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> till infinity. But uh, it seems like he's saying that in general, this should be a standard, um, so that there's not, uh, so that the power is not just in one person's hands or one yeah. party's hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your collective idea um, seems more ideal. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's what Elon Musk is getting at. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, well, so. I mean, he did say like this is to like independent-minded voters. So I I don't know if he's kind of you know taking for granted that there are party lo- vo- voters. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. there's going to be your right Republican Party voters. They're going to vote Republican. Mm-hmm. Same thing, Democrat. And then you have um, he's kind of appealing to these people maybe in the middle. Right. And it's like if you're in the middle and you're unsure, this is my advice. Mm-hmm. Right. To balance power. Yeah, and then maybe those same people in twenty twenty four will roll around, right? And they'll say, "Well, maybe Democrat or, uh-huh. or you know, yep. something." That's yeah, how the, I interpret the, it. Um, the group of independents is an interesting one because you could have you could be independent because you don't agree with either party's agenda, mm-hmm. and so you're like, "Well, I have my idea of how things should be run," and neither party is like showing that that they are going to run on those terms, so I'm independent. Or you could be like, I don't have any idea <laughs> yeah, how right. I would run a country, so I, right. I'm not going to affiliate with one side or the other. That's what it seems like Elon is talking more to of like, it seems like more like if you don't really have a moral compass, <laughs> then like at least push the power <laughs> right. um, okay. away yeah, yeah, from yeah. The, yeah. the control That's sources. That's you know true. what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's like, you know, I have ideas of how the economy should be run. Yeah. I'm never going to switch and be like, well, I, I want to balance that out yeah. just for... Just cause. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, right. But you know, you you know, if if your main objective is just to reduce that, you know, corrupting power to balance power, yeah, yeah, then that's that's a good that's true method. Yeah, 
probably yeah. the most generous interpretation mm-hmm. of that tweet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's, yeah. but I, say, I wonder how many people are analyzing and interpreting this tweet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going back to kind of the individual all the way up to the group, uh, I guess it was a couple of months ago, maybe or a year ago, and time just flies, uh, when Shapiro had Bill Maher on. His mm, uh, yeah. Sunday special. His Sunday yeah. special. Yeah. Was that like a year ago? That was about yeah, a year so. ago, yeah. yeah. That was after Bill Maher had Shapiro on. But that yes. was like and that years was ago. Like, like, yeah, five yeah. years ago. Or well, he had him on, yeah, yeah, he had him on more recently. Time vortex. Yeah, I'm anyway. sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah okay. it's, anyway. It was a Sunday special that you're talking about. It was about. a Sunday yeah. special. Yeah. And you know, there was a part in it where Bill Maher said, you know, we, we really we have to stop. We have to stop pushing these crazy politicians to the top. Like we need more moderate politicians and they both seem to agree on that. And I think there's a lot of people would agree. It's like no more of these very fringe divisive politicians. Uh, We need clear headed politicians, but I think the answer isn't looking at the politicians at the top. It's actually looking again back at the individuals. Mm. Right. Right. Cause these candidates don't just spring out of the ground. Right. And they come from a, collective uh, idea and exactly. the way people vote yeah right and and that's and and that was part of the failure of reflection on the democrats in 2016 again was well how could how could anyone vote for donald trump like he's yeah. just such a disgusting person mm-hmm. that's obvious it's like well then you you yeah. didn't look at the voters yeah like you didn't you didn't get in touch with your yeah. base or right. you know the Republican yeah. or any yeah. base, or look see, at like, his opponent. Yeah. Right. I mean, right, right, you're right. Well, that's well, yeah, another, that's another <laughs> right. And it's like, well, maybe topic. it was you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, right. It was, it was. There was none of that going on. It was just sort of like he kind of sprang out of nowhere, and the least charitable interpretation possible was given to why people would vote for him. It's like, well, it's because right. the people he's disgusting. Yeah, and the people who voted for him are disgusting. Mm-hmm. Right. And Russia, right, and Russia, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah, you know, as opposed to well, maybe there was something that happened in the years leading up to Donald Trump, right? That allowed for this. That to allowed happen. for this yeah. to happen. Yeah, exactly. Like, what what was the failures on the de- the Democrat side yeah. that would mm-hmm. lead people? Although I don't, I know I don't think I forget the the polling numbers in 2016, but I I know it wasn't a massive showing. You know, it wasn't like a yeah. ton of people came out for either one, mm. yeah. but still like enough. Like, why was it that so many people right decided to to vote for Donald Trump. Yep. Um, I, I, yeah, I guess in, instead of looking at the top, why don't, why don't we go a little bit lower mm-hmm. and look at the societal level? Right, right. No, yeah, I can I completely agree with that. Um, again, like just going off that union idea that like, you know, it's a projection. You know, Donald Trump is a projection of something that the people wanted. Um, right. It's just like, yeah, like on the surface, don't vote for uh, crazy, Don't let's not elect crazy politicians. Let's get more moderate ones. But in order for us to have moderate politicians, the people need to be moderate too. That's where they come from. So right. yeah. again, it's just going back, like let's look at ourselves and, mm-hmm. and who we're electing, you know? Yeah, what complicates so. that a lot is that like what is crazy on the left? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like the left by its nature, I mean, like this is not just a left uh in American politics, but more just like the left hand symbolism mm-hmm. is like is more hidden. And so, like, the craziness is not usually, like, out and center. Um, it's more like, like you were saying, like, look at what they do as opposed to who they are. And, like, a lot of these policies that are coming in from the left are crazy. You know, like, they're, like, they're really, like, like proto-socialist. And, but the people seem reserved. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. how, how do you differentiate between what is crazy on the left and the right? And I think that kind of um, obfuscates some of that uh, a little bit in terms of looking at politicians. Because you have that problem, that it's not the left and the right differ on how they project crazy. And then you have the problem of just politicians in general being like nefariously sleazy and, and yeah. mirrors of people. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like they're empty shells themselves. And so it's just, it's really complicated again, like stacking all the way up to something as political and something as big as um, like government policy. It's hard to differentiate between like, how do you look at someone like Donald Trump? Like, well, here's the through line and what, why we're like that. Yeah. Um, and then you look at somebody like, you know, AOC is like, yeah, we think like the 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 right thinks she's kind of out of her mind, mm-hmm. but the left doesn't. So like, how are they going to know the signal of like our side is crazy? And that's just kind of tough, right? Yeah. That, again, I think it goes back to self knowledge. Yeah, because um, Trump Trump like, like violated like social norms, and that's easy to point at. Be like, oh, that's not like how that's not like he's not being good mannered. Yeah, it's like that's easier to point at. Obviously, you know, like when it comes down to it, like I'd rather see policies enacted that are in place and somebody who's like mannerisms are okay. Obviously you want both, but it's like, that was an easy scapegoat of like, see, cause he's rude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, but like AOC's not rude. Like, right. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, is that an easier thing to point at? Like it's, it's tough. Like there's a little bit more precision there that that's required to be like, well, see what they do, see what they're really talking about. Yeah. 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 I, I that's certainly something that was not, hit on in some of the debates this you know this last election you know the midterms was you know there's a lot of people all like oh you know they call me a socialist but i'm not you know i like yeah. they, they think i'm for open borders i'm not for open borders mm-hmm. and that sounds good but like, but i right. have to look at some of their like i said their actions yeah. and their voting records and it's like okay you you look mm-hmm. you look clean and you right. sound clean but you do vote for things that are opposite of what you're saying right yeah. you know right, right. You, you say you're not for this right. but really yeah, it's called lying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hopefully this is like what the whole information age is really going to help promote. You know, we were discussing about this more about like last time with Elon Musk and Twitter of like, because we live in an internet age, there's more information on people's voting records and like right. the society is going to be able to compile all that immediately as yeah. opposed to just like one news station and a, de- and a politician talking and you have to just assume that he's a good guy. Um, Right. Hopefully that like exposes the just kind of underlying corruption and you actually get to sift out people who just seem okay. It's like, I'd rather have like all of the left's craziness on display. It's like, just talk about the socialism <laughs> so we yeah. can debate it as opposed to having to like Hide peel it. back and yeah. be like, there it is. Now we got to talk about that. And you're now we're like yeah. lying. We're having a discussion on whether or not it's there. I'd rather have a discussion about the thing. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I think obviously they one, wouldn't, but you know, one, one, um, aspect of having everyone's lives on social media including politicians you know digging up dirt on all these people and it's becoming harder to differentiate like just like sinful human nature and like how their policies are actually going Mm -hmm. to affect society uh and, and that's something that we really need to learn how to do um you know what's really annoying is that and this has been going on for, I guess, decades now, but like, you know, all these smear campaigns mm-hmm. of like, oh, look, this person had an affair. This person yeah. did this. It's like, oh, well, yes, he is human. Right. You know, but like, what are we voting for? Right. Yeah. And so 
as our lives become more public and not just um, your average person, mm-hmm. but, you know, um, Hollywood celebrities and politicians, yeah. like it's going to be up to us to really differentiate. Like, yes, like, I, like I've said before, human nature, like humans suck. Yeah. People suck. Mm-hmm. But like, like, what are we actually putting in office? Right. Um, that's not now. Of course, I'm not excusing people to like, yeah, yeah, just sin. Right, you know, right. I'm not saying that. <laughs> right. um, mm-hmm. But there has to be an understanding of human nature and how that affects um, right. people's policies and yeah. like you know the people that we're putting up as politicians. What does it have to do? Right. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's just it's, one of those things. Like I feel like somebody's gonna almost like in a Trump moment. Somebody needs to just come out and be like, you know, there's a smear campaign against you. It's like, oh, you you went through a divorce. It's like, and. <laughs> yeah right like, right. You, like what? Make your argument on why yeah. that's bad. Don't just say that. Yeah. Thing. Unless it's if like, like unless if he's running know. against like Mother Teresa. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. It's like like yes, you can point to my sin. Yeah. I can point to your sin. Yeah. And like, what yeah. are we trying to get at exactly um, by doing that? So I don't know. Yeah. It's thought, so. Yeah. Um. It's it's interesting. Uh, so Jung's political writings a lot of times, although he talks about democracy, were were uh, writings after World War II. So he was very interested in the dictatorial state and what he called mass mindedness. Mm -hmm. So basically communism, socialism, uh, fascism, any sort of the, (laughs) you know, the 20th century isms, Mm -hmm. um, political isms. And so, so when he, when he writes this, it's in response to that, but his idea of kind of the solution to it was on one hand, religion, but we'll get into that some other time. This is a big topic. But the other was, um, he said, Christian love. Mm. He said, you know, what we need something sort of like the love of neighbor, the Christian love of neighbor to, mm-hmm. to bond us together. Right. Because he said, you know, basically nothing hurts our relationship with fellow human beings more than projections. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Than projecting all these, but nothing promotes more understanding by our withdrawal. Right. projections because yep. projections are the source of moral complacency he says and divisiveness mm-hmm. right yep. of of i um he has this idea it's like you know nature abhors a vacuum mm-hmm. so your mind and imagination abhors a vacuum so mm-hmm. if you don't know something your imagination will fill it in yeah that's right interesting. Yeah. um again you talk about you're out in the middle of the woods and you hear a scream yeah it's like your imagination immediately fills in what that could be. Yeah, you don't yeah. go to just, that was just a scream. Right, yeah, right. It's like, on. oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Well, look at that sound. Yeah, you, you put a narrative on. over it. Right, yeah. you immediately, yeah. there's an image associated mm-hmm. with it. Yeah. So uh, whether politicians know this or not, or social media, I'm sure social media knows a little bit better, but it's, it seems like they're really kind of tapping into that, mm. um, especially now with kind of this growing divide of do you have any friends that are opposite to you mm-hmm. politically? And, you know, usually talked about this before the answer is no it's like so if you don't know these people then your your imagination can be filled in yep with anything about them yeah you know again this yeah. this mm-hmm. republicans are a threat to democracy mm-hmm. or democrats are a threat to democracy yeah you can kind of fill that in with paranoia and fear and anger um right and anything else you know i, I yeah. think it's a big you know we're a big nation so it's a big task to say like oh we'll just like go out and get a bunch of Democrat friends or a bunch of yeah. Republican meet friends. someone from Montana. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. You know, like, yeah, exactly. Like, meet somebody from New York City, yeah. you know, <laughs> even though you're from, you know, Alabama yeah. and share your yeah. political differences. Um, so, but I think it goes back to what can you do? Yeah. And right. what you can do is not always, yeah, 
not always interpret people's actions as uncharitable as possible. Yeah. Um, right. right. But, yeah. That go- really, I mean, that's like asking fundamental questions because it's like, why is it that that kind of self-correcting um, and then like giving the benefit of the doubt works between me and my wife? Because there's love between us. So it's like, you, yeah. it doesn't necessarily always happen that when you stack that up to society, it's like, there, it's not a given that we're supposed to continue to love as we go up. Yeah. So it's like, there is a fundamental, like, well, you do need some sort of framework that says people should be treated with respect and each individual is sacred in the eyes of some higher power. Then you can start to stack up and then go to society. It's like, well, how is it? How am I supposed to respond to somebody across the country that thinks completely different from me? Like, why would I not just circle in mm-hmm. and say that they're other or project my stuff on it? It's because I should love them with Christian love, like you were saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that isn't that what John Verveke calls like the hermeneutics of suspicion versus hermeneutics of beauty? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like instead of like, and this is like fundamental for discourse. Mm-hmm. That instead of approaching somebody. Um, thinking that you have the moral high ground and you are right, mm-hmm. and everything that they are going to bring to the table is now is under suspicion. Yep. Um, there should be this aspect of, I guess, like as Jung says, and mm-hmm. like this Christian love, this right. idea that, like, this person has their own worldview. Yep. And, and like, and this is one of Peterson's first twelve, 12 rules: is like always assume that the person you're talking to has something to teach you. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yep. I think if you have these fundamentals. Of like Verveke's hermeneutics, I can't say the word of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, le- like believing that like you can learn. There's still mm-hmm. um, things to learn. Um, right. You know, Socrates. All I know is that I know nothing. Like mm-hmm. you know, take the humble yep. um, position, not trying to win a debate, but rather actually get at truth. Mm-hmm. That's the like fundamentals of discourse. Right. And it just like in the public eye right now um, on social media on the news it just seems like we've lost that because everything is engineered to divide <laughs> um, yeah. so like i think we could do that on an individual level mm-hmm. um, yeah. but again just going all the way back to the beginning if we can do that on an individual level hopefully that can start to make changes in you know not your family but like your neighborhood or your society right. and mm-hmm. it gets it gets bigger yeah. so um, but if we can learn how to do that on an individual level mm-hmm. um, that's how we can begin to see real change in discourse. Right. So. It also doesn't, like, you know, we were saying before, too, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's like, oh, well, just take everybody's opinion and just it's all equal. Like, you no, can right, still have your beliefs on what you think, yes, but that doesn't course. mean that, like, when you enter into dialogue, there is this, like, let me hear what you have to say. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then you kind of compare that and you have discussion and there's debate and you change your mind and they change their minds. Like, you have to start from that premise of, like, let's take it in first and then yeah. look at it. Yep. Yeah. No, yeah, I think uh, I think it's it's certainly very hard to see like a, a true self image, you know, like the, mm-hmm. a true picture of yourself, and to what degree am I taking the things that I'm insecure about or the things that I secretly harbor or repress, and I'm putting it onto other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I see right now just some conservative people on uh, conservative uh, podcasters and such on Twitter saying. That, you know, it's, it's it's unbelievable that the message of, you know, we'll let you kill your children caught on so big, yeah. you know, this midterm. And it's like, well, I'm sure abortion was a big issue for some people who voted Democrat. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know if it was, it, it could also just be that there were bad candidates yeah. on the right. 
right? Yeah. You know, like it, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, I, I feel like that kind of summarizes like the, a uh, little bit of this, this lack of introspection is right. like, oh, it, it, it's gotta be abortion. Like, yeah. Right. Right. Maybe, or right. maybe you just had a bad, yeah. like I said, bad right. candidate. You made a bad case. Yep. Um, and then what's the solution yeah. to that? You're just going to continue to rail that the left loves abortion. Right. Or are you going to like look at yourself and make improvements as you can as a potential candidate or what have you, or as a party and be like, let's just make our message as strong and coherent as possible yeah. And, yeah, right. and understandable. Like that's the best right. you can do. And that's the only thing you can do. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So, um, father, you put in our notes, a, um, a clip, uh, from Tarantino. Yeah. It was, um, a short, uh, YouTube short as I was, uh, perusing YouTube. Um, this was one of the recommended, um, shorts that, uh, popped up on my feed. Um, and it was, uh, he was on um, Stephen Colbert, Colbert's um, show. Mm-hmm. Not a huge fan of Colbert, but <laughs> anyway, the short was interesting. Um, and uh, I think it was Colbert who uh, prompted Tarantino to defend why go to the movies. Mm. Um, and I don't know if you have the clip. Yeah, I have it. Play. We can play it. Yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. So Studios are rethinking whether theatrical releases are worth it. Mm-hmm. Make the case right now for the big silver. When a movie comes out that you're interested in enough to see... And it makes you leave your house and buy a ticket and you could do anything in the world you want that night, but you decide to go to see a film, one film in particular, and you go to see it and maybe you're on your own, maybe it's in the afternoon or maybe it's with your date or your wife or whoever, and you go and see it and you, and you buy a ticket and you sit down and you have an experience and you have an experience with a bunch of strangers. And at that moment... Once the movie gets going, once the lights are down, you become a collective. And when you have a good experience, it's not always a good experience, but when you have a good experience, those are the things that stay in your mind and that you remember for the rest of your life, and they become indelible indelible snapshots. Okay, I'll go to the movies. So I saw that clip. And I immediately thought you can make you can almost make the same argument for going to mass. Mm. Um, of course, you know going to movies is not the ultimate sacrifice mm-hmm. of you know God <laughs> to man, but <laughs> um, uh, but at the same time he's getting at something that's um, natural, like a, a natural impulse of why we gather together mm-hmm. and celebrate something. You know, I like the way that he started. He's like, you can be doing anything else, yeah, uh, you know, but you actually get up. And participate in something that's larger than yourself. You put yourself right. in the midst of a community. Mm-hmm. And you're all sharing this one experience. And then he uses the word indelible, which is, yeah. you know, that's like Catholic lingo right there. <laughs> you know, indelible marks. But I think in a sense, again, it's it's this natural sense of remembrance of like, you may have a good experience, you may not. But it stays with you. Yeah, You know, that experience stays with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of, you know, for him... You know, as a director, I, I can imagine he, movies are much um, higher on his hierarchy of values than most yeah. of us, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and of course, as Catholics, you know, we believe that God is at that top of that hierarchy. And it's that mass that we actually reach that height, right? Right. But at the same time, um, it, yeah, it's getting at that natural sense of um, worship, mm-hmm. um, and a religious experience almost. Yeah. Um, like, you know, gathering with strangers might not have a great experience, yeah, but you remember it, and it stays with you mm-hmm. because because you embodied your um, your hierarchy of values, right? Um, and this is uh, you know this is opposed to 
um, what prompted this conversation, I imagine, is that, you know, this is opposed to the idea of just streaming uh, a movie on Netflix mm-hmm. or Disney Plus or whatever it yeah. might be uh, sitting in your living room. It's a different, different experience mm-hmm. um, that's tangible almost yep. uh, when you actually leave your room, yep. you know, go with people and see a movie. Um, I think the same thing kind of applies to mass. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think what he's really getting at is kind of just like the natural way that we put something at the highest point of attention and like why that's important, you know, yeah. cause you could like do that with anything. It's like, why should I go play tennis instead of just playing Wii sports? <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever. Right. You know, it's like, it's like sure. you get out, you go to a different place. There's like this physicality involved. Yeah. You're, you're exercising and you're with somebody else and there's a communal aspect and you remember that it's like, that's that natural instinct for like, when you pay attention to the, to that particularly, it, it moves you to a physical response where you're leaving a space and you're paying the most attention to it. You yeah. could be doing something else, but all of your attention is on that. And this is, this is why, you know, so many people, um, who question if going to mass is worth it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I tell people like, listen, it might be boring, the music might be horrible. The the priest might celebrate horribly. You know, the, his homily might be mm-hmm. trash. <laughs> <laughs> but if you push yourself to go every week, you are saying to yourself that this matters. Right. And even if you're not getting the effect, you're not feeling the effects, you know, like while you're waking up early mm-hmm. to get to mass, while you're not feeling the effects when you leave and mm-hmm. you're stuck in the parking lot trying to get out of church. Yeah. It matters. Like you're embodying yeah. something and you're saying like, this is what I'm putting at the top of my hierarchy list. Right. Um, and when you do that, like it builds up a habit of, of values yeah. that are listed in, in, a, in a healthy way. I think um, about my kids in that way, about how I always have this like kind of mentality with like parents and kids of being like, think harder about what you're actually telling your kid instead of the words you're saying. So it's like when we when we take our kids to mass, we're telling them that once a week we this have to we do this, yeah. and this is really important. And yeah. after mass, we're all hungry for lunch, and you guys are hangry, and it's a yeah. thirty minute home drive. Mm-hmm. But we're sep- We're not doing that because this is important. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's it's really about like what are you telling your kids in that way, as opposed to like well you know just make sure every week you like you stream mass online yeah. or. Go or don't go, but just remember you tell them, like, religion's important, buddy, okay? Like, high five. Right, like, right. That's what is not, that doing? That's not the way you yeah. speak to your kids. The way you're actually telling your kids things is by the actions. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. like, imagine if you built up a habit of not going to Mass. Like, I'm just going to sleep in on Sunday. I'm going to, you know, uh, watch YouTube while I yeah. eat breakfast mm-hmm. and, you know, go through these ads. Yeah. Uh, it's like, what are you embodying? Right. That's the question. Like, what are you embodying? And like again, while while it may seem in the moment that you're not getting a lot out of it, mm-hmm. in the moment, during your week, if that's something that you're going to do every Sunday, mm-hmm. something I, I I just imagine something in your soul, kind of like what Tarantino said. Yeah. You look back on these moments, and it's like, yeah, this is what I do. Right. This is what I do. I worship with a community, the God Man, mm-hmm. who has sacrificed himself and who I. I'm trying to emulate, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah, I just found it like just like when I came across that short, it just like stood out to me. I was like, yeah, yeah he's getting at something that's very um, embodied, mm-hmm. um, which is a, I think just a, again a case for religion. So, yeah, there was a, a theater here 
that shut down. It had been open for a number of years. It was in a nice, nice part of the city. And I'd been there a few times. And when the Axios announced that it was closing, uh, many of the comments were kind of hitting on this memory thing mm-hmm. of like, oh, I, you know, I, I remember going there as a kid or I saw this movie there. Or, you know, I, mm-hmm. oh, this was my go-to date spot. It was yeah. all these memories. Yeah. And the fact that they would never create more memories there. Right. Interesting. You know, it wasn't like, oh, I, I'll never be able to see a movie. It's like, no, you, you, yeah. you just go to another, you know, <laughs> right, right. it's like, oh, living it's like, room or whatever. right. It's yeah. like, exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not like movies are ending. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, there was a time when it's like mm-hmm. if they weren't at the theater, yeah, they were yeah. nowhere, you know, or basically yeah. nowhere. Um, but it, yeah, it was this, this memory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, right outside the theater, there were multiple restaurants and, you know, people talked about going there, then they would go and get something to eat mm-hmm. afterwards. Yeah, right. And, there's a little plaza, you know, it was, yeah. it was very much, um, I remember going there a few years ago and in a summer night, it was packed, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. people getting tickets or people in the, in the plaza, there are people at the yeah. restaurants and it, it was, it was very communal. You felt yeah. like you mm-hmm. were in this, um, collective experience yeah. together. I do think it also hits on the need for like the, these places are set apart, mm. you know, like you, yeah, you go to mass at a church, yep. you go to a movie in the movie mm-hmm. theaters. And it's like, well, what do you do in your living room? It's like, well, you don't everything. go to mass. You're right. right. Yeah. Exactly. It's like almost everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it's um, a friend of mine asked me the other day, he's like, why do you think that there's a rise in these like episode breakdowns? Mm-hmm. He's like, you go on YouTube. He's like, there's like all these like Game of Thrones episode yeah. breakdowns. He's like, didn't people watch the show? <laughs> right. Like, didn't they know what happened? <laughs> Break it down by watching it. Right. Yeah. And right. I, I think, you know, more narrowly, it's, you know, maybe people don't understand genres and yeah. motifs. But I think largely it's because when you're in your living room, I don't know how many people are on their phones. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right, yeah. you know, yeah. like not you know, giving their full attention. Right, it's or... like you have your laptop open, the TV's yeah. on, all like all this mm-hmm. different stuff. Yeah. Um, whereas in the theater, That's it's true. like our our attention is focused on the movie. Yeah. And right. In fact, if you have your laptop open in your theater, people will scream at you. Yeah. Right. It's like they, you know, you can't even have your phone, you know, yeah. open. Yeah. So it's like this set a t- set apart. Space. Right. Yeah, definitely. That's yeah. different than the rest. Absolutely. And Even the, in the space too, though, it's funny because people ask like, why why are liturgies set up the way they are, and like, why are certain things done, and like, what's all with all the bells and whistles and Catholicism and stuff, and it's like, that's this is for worship. Yeah. This is for mass. Like, this is not going to look like the outside. It's going to look like what this is for. Yeah. And I think of like a if a theater was like, what do people like? Like, what do people like in spaces? Like, make it more like the outside. Like, do people like like Apple Apple stores? Like, should we put laptops everywhere and turn the lights really mm-hmm. bright? Yeah. It's like, right. no, that's not what theaters are for. Yeah, theaters are dark. You can't see where you are because you're supposed to be sitting, and the only thing that's lit is the screen. Yeah. So it's like that serves the purpose of a theater. Exactly. So it's like yeah. liturgy exactly. is going to serve a purpose. Like a liturgical house is going to serve the purpose of worship, and so yeah. you're going to see things in there that are weird, that are very idiosyncratic to worship, but that. Are for that. Right, exactly. And this is like, you know, one of the big negatives of moving away from beautiful liturgies and, you know, yeah. stripping beauty from the liturgy is that it's it's kind of like disembodying worship. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's a grave disservice to the people. It's like people have a right to engage their entire beings with the liturgy. Yeah. You know, and I remember right. I had this experience um, a few weeks ago. Um, I had to be at one of our local churches um, that I'm not usually at, St. Anne's. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it's been months since I've been there. Um, but I remember 
after a meeting I had there, I went to the church. It was empty just to pray a little bit. Um, and I was struck with like the smell of incense. Mm. That's particular to St. Anne's. You know, if you go to St. Anne's, sure. you know how it smells yeah. like. And it's it was like just saturated so in yeah. yeah, it's like the, the, there <laughs> might the have books. been. There, yeah, I would say there's there might not have been incense there for two weeks, yeah. and it still smells like incense because <laughs> yeah. it's just the walls are just like <laughs> saturated right. with the incense. But there was like the sense of nostalgia. Yeah, and I was like, this is how worship smells like, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was just a very like um, embodied feeling. Mm. Um, and it's just it's a shame that you know there are. I think there's a. I think it's coming, it's, it's kind of fading, but, you know, uh, decades ago, maybe, um, this sense of just, like, stripping out these things that engage your senses. Yeah. Um, so, even, like, you um, went to church, yes, but, like, it, it still felt like a disembodied experience mm-hmm. in a sense. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's all I had on that I mean, clip. this is, I think this is why people miss block, uh, Blockbuster as well. Oof, you know, yeah. Because, you know. Yeah, that getting... smell of the carpet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was, because it was, it was a whole experience. You, know, you went yeah. there on a yeah, Friday night. It was. You, you know. Get, I remember, like, you, and you <laughs> the turned popcorn. in, you got your movie, but then, like, you had the candy rack there. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that was, yeah. a, that was oh. like, the, the great temptation. You know? so, <laughs> <laughs> can I walk out of here without buying this candy? Yeah. <laughs> and then when you had a, when you rented a good movie, you had to give it back. I remember, like, um, my dad would pull up to the um, the, the yeah, store, the, the and he's like, "Okay, just drop it off in a yeah. box." I'm like, "Right," yeah. <laughs> and he had to drop it off Goodbye. in that little slot, you know? Yeah, no, it was yeah. it was totally different. You had to go to the place. Yeah, there were people there. There right. were there were deals. Yeah, whereas now it's just right. all in your living room. And yeah, you think about like the death scroll of like Netflix. Like, what do you want to watch? Do you want to watch something? I don't know. It's, it's like been thirty it, minutes. Like, yeah, just, it's like, but sure, if you're yeah. going to Blockbuster, it's like I want to watch a movie, and we're going to watch a movie. So yeah. like, there's intentionality. There's yeah. focus. And it's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Um, let's stop there though. Uh, basically related.com to sign up for our AMAs. Uh, I'm Matt Hylam on all social media and Lee is coach Lee. See y'all later.